Pastor Xavier Reese and the prize that awaits the victorious. You know Paul's last words in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who love his appearing. Are you looking for his appearing? Romans 8 says that we're to be like a person with his neck stretched out looking. The finish line, I'm looking, I'm looking. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What parent hasn't told their child, you could do anything you set your heart to? Well, as the reality of life sets in, it seems that somewhere along the line, the dream stealers step in. Today, Pastor Xavier brings back the hope of dreams of victory as he points to the author of True Success from his Simple Truth Study series of the Book of Hebrews. Let's listen. Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 3, and the message is entitled, Run to Win the Race. Run to Win the Race. Let me read here. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endures such hostilities from sinners against himself, lest you be become weary and discouraged in your souls. How to run the race that will result in hope is revealed by, first of all, verse 1, the believer is to make proper preparations for the race. Second, verse 2, the believer is to mark the proper focal point to finish the race. And then in verse 3, the believer is to make a proper assessment of his sufferings in the race. These things are great for me to understand and to know while I'm running the race. Notice the believer is to make proper preparations for the race. This is good common sense. Notice the believer is to learn, to put off anything that slows him down. Let us lay aside every way that the sin which so easily ensnares us. So these Hebrew Christians were called to lay aside every weight in order to be like what? The heroes of faith of chapter 11. In preparation of what? The race. The metaphor again is the race. So it is dealing with the believer to put off as a runner anything that would encumber his running. What is it that pulls me away from Christ? What is it that distracts me? The sin that keeps stumbling me and keeping me from running well. Uh, look at chapter 11, verse uh, 25. Moses says, uh, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin for a season. That's what it means. It's a voluntary choice. The keys to run the race assigned to us with perseverance diligently. And Paul gives us how to do that in Philippians. You're familiar with the text of Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Let me give you three principles on those verses. In verse 12, proper perspective. Listen. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ also has laid hold on me. I have not arrived as long as I'm here. Real simple. <laughs> 
Then you have proper actions in the next verse, 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to the things that are ahead. Forgetting those things behind, reaching forward to things that are ahead. Too many Christians are enamored with their past and they can't run. And other Christians are so bound by their past, they live in condemnation. Listen, your sins have been burying the deepest ocean. What is your problem? The last verse, 14, proper diligence. I press towards the goal for the pride for the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. I press. Passion. Diligence. The believers to make proper preparations for the race. You running? You in the race? Are you making preparations? Notice secondly, the believers to mark the proper focal point to finish the race. First, the believers' eyes are to be on Jesus at all times, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of, the, of our faith. Jesus has and does use people to encourage us in hope, but he is the primary source of our hope, not people. We need to understand that, okay? I have to have my eyes on Jesus. The word looking means to turn one's eyes away from things and fix them on something. Here, Jesus. So as to not be distracted. There are so many things that will distract you in, my, in the life of running the race and myself, so I have to be careful. Some are um, normal things, while other things are attacks of the enemy, and other things are just my corrupt flesh. Either way, I have to deal with them, right? I have to deal with them in the Spirit, and I have to deal with them according to Scripture and the will of God. These men and women of faith make every Christian responsible in the race, but Jesus holds everyone accountable. They make us responsible, Jesus holds us accountable. There's a difference. He's the ultimate one. And so Jesus is the one who gives all the direction, guidance, and the change of plans. So I want to keep my eyes fixed on him. Why? Because he's the one that calls the shots. We want to make sure that we're on track with him. Which way are you leading? What are you doing, Lord? We don't want to copy anybody else. We don't want to just do what people want us to do. We want to do what God wants to do. It is through him that God is speaking in these last days, as he's told us in the opening chapter, chapter 1. He is the one who enables us. So if he calls you, he enables you. He is God's son. He is the heir of all things. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. He is the second person of the Godhead. He is the one who has purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So dependency on Jesus is the life of the new man. Listen to Paul as he runs this race in the stadium. He depends looking on Jesus for the price, making sure nothing slows him down. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4.24. Colossians 3.10, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And so he's the one. There's no one else. I look to him. He tells me, slow down, I slow down. He tells me, make a left, I make a left. David says, Lord, should we go up to the city? Yeah. Lord, should we go up? No. <laughs> do you check and depend on him for everything? Or do you have it wired? He's the one I'm to have my eyes on. And therefore, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Notice that. And the word author is made up two words, which means to lead and first. Jesus is the chief leader, the pioneer, if you will, the architect and the originator of our faith. It's to him we look and depend on everything. He's the one that saved me. He's the one that's uh, saving me, and he's the one that will ultimately save me. You are saved, you are being saved, and you shall be saved. 
three processes. He's the incentive and the motivation, not some crowd or people, not some crown of glory. He's the one that motivates me. He is the captain. Same word in chapter 2, verse 10 is here. The chief one, the chief leader, the prince of life, Acts 3, 15 says. But he's not only the author. Look at there. He's the finisher. It means the developer, the perfecter of our faith. But notice our faith. It literally says the faith, not our. The faith. It's an objective genitive in the Greek. The thing hoped for, the promise of resurrection after having run the race. The faith. So the believer is to have his eyes on the finish line like Jesus. First on Jesus, but Jesus had his eyes on the finish line. So then we're to emulate Jesus, who for the joy that was set before me endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is the primary and greatest example of the source of our faith and hope of the promise of glorification through his suffering. Some say it is the joy set before him and that it is that which, is, which he left in heaven for the cross or the one he could have claimed on earth but exchanged it for the cross being God and endured. Others feel it refers to the joy of knowing the outcome of salvation, that many would be saved. Though both of these are certainly true, according to certain scriptures, as he was willing to die in our place, I don't think that this is what the text is teaching. We understand that, he, that the two uh, truths are true, but not in the context. Uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 11 Isaiah 53, 11, Hebrews 2, 9, and 10 certainly confirms that. But in the context here, the joy set before him is given to us. Look at the verse. We're not left to our own interpretation. The joy was the fact of being reunited in fellowship with the Father, seeing him and setting at the right hand of God. And he quotes what? Psalm 110, once again. Verse 1. The joy was that he had his eyes on the finish mark, sitting at the right hand of the Father. Glorification. Do you get it? That's where our eyes are to be, on the finish line, not being distracted. Jesus endured the cross while he despised the shame of the cross, for it was for criminals, the worst of men, and they accounted him cursed by God while on the cross, Galatians 3.13 says. So Jesus, despised the shame, willing to be separated from the Father for us, considering it a small thing in comparisons with the joy of his glorification. His eyes were fixed on the resurrection that would lead to glorification not the outcome of salvation, though it may be true in other places, not in the context. His joy was he saw himself sitting at the right hand, back in fellowship with the Father. Listen to what Jesus prayed before he went to the cross, and this will confirm it. John 17, 1 through 5, just listen. 
He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you and that only true God, the Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave to me to do. And now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. This is what Hebrews is saying, the joy that was set before him. He knew after the cross he'd be resurrected, glorified to sit alongside the Father back in fellowship. There's joy. Joy is in fellowship with God. Not some crown, not some prize. And so Jesus, the primary example and source of hope, finishing victoriously, he sat down at the right hand of the throne. Why? He's the forerunner, Hebrews 6.20. He's gone before us. So what's the joy of my life? I'm going to be there too. I'm looking for glorification. I'm looking to reign with Jesus. Now, if that doesn't turn you on, if that doesn't give you hope, something's wrong. These Hebrew Christians were to endure all things knowing the believer will be glorified. Jesus says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto you, Matthew 6.33. The problem is we're being distracted by the things instead of the kingdom first. All those things come, and they're valued, and they're used properly if the kingdom is first. So the Christian has to be looking straight ahead and far so as not to stumble or to be distracted in the race. Paul tells the Philippians, being confident in this very thing, that he who has begun a good work and will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1.6. Are you confident of that? You know Paul's last words. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who love his appearing. Are you looking for his appearing? Romans 8 says that we're to be like a person with his neck stretched out looking. <laughs> the finish line, I'm looking. I'm looking. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down on my Father's throne, Revelation 3.21. What an incredible promise. The believer is to mark the proper focal point to finish the race. What's the focal point? Jesus. Looking to the finish line. Notice thirdly here in verse 3. The believer is to make a proper assessment of his sufferings in the race. First, the believer is to mark the suffering of Jesus. For consider him who endures such hostility from sinners against himself. So these Hebrew Christians were told to consider Jesus as confirmation that he did, in fact, finish victoriously and therefore the only one to be looked to and depended on. Now, they were to ponder thoughtfully to learn and benefit from his example of persevering endurance. The word endurance here, again, means to take patiently, to remain under, to tolerate bravely and calmly. This word is a key to verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. 
Perseverance. Same word, but in two different forms. You find it there. Endurance. Stamina. These Hebrew Christians were to thoughtfully ponder Jesus who endured such hostility. Listen. From sinners against himself. The word hostility means to speak against. And it refers to opposition in act. The contradiction is the opposition Jesus endured from sinners. He who was sinless, the sinless one, should have merited the highest praise from all men who were not sinless. Received the most terrible opposition at the hands of sinners. And the readers knew this very, very well. And so do you. And so do I. But we forget, don't we? All the mockery, insults, blasphemy, being God. Not only at the cross, but think about his earthly life. The mockery, the ridicule, the accusations. He did it all victoriously. These Hebrews should be ashamed of themselves, embarrassed, in fact, he says, over their complaining. Why would they do this? How could they do this understanding what Jesus went through? But that's the character of all of us. We are bent towards murmur. We are bent towards complaining. We are bent towards having our eyes on ourselves. That's the problem. The believer is to mark the comparison of Jesus then to his own suffering. Listen. Lest you should become weary and discouraged in your souls. So the careful observation of what Jesus endured through suffering on the cross will first of all, listen, humble the believer in complaining and receiving hope and strength. It'll humble me my complaining and I'll receive hope and strength. That's good. This careful assessment is in order that they may not become weary in the race. Lest you become weary. And the word weary means faint. The weariness takes place in our minds. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And your mind is what it begins. And it stirs your heart up. And your mind and your heart is like gas and fire. You can have both of them, but don't store them in the same place. They're very destructive. Unless you have prepared the combination of both for productivity. But in the raw material, don't put them together. You get a big bang. Your heart and your mind can only be joined in one as you look to Christ and the Word of God and the Spirit. You join these two suckers together without walking in the Spirit and the mind, you and everybody else is dead around you. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked, above all things, only God knows it. We've got to be real careful and wise. And so the example of Jesus is to inspire them in order that they may grow, they might, that they may not grow tired as they run the race. So this careful assessment is in order that they not only not be faint or weary, but not be discouraged in the race. Lest you become discouraged. And a word discourage again has to do with one's strength relaxing so as to be despondent. 
Giving up would be a good word. The tense again is in the arrow is aggressive, which means get to the point of tiredness by relaxing in their souls. The imagery again here is a race, that of running and letting yourself get so tired that you quit. Ah, that's it, and you walk away. He's warned them about that already. He will warn them again later on in the chapter for the last time. In fact, the phrase weary and discouraged together are used of a runner flinging himself across the finish line and collapsing. We've all seen pictures of those. Now, across the finish line, that's a good time to do it. And you put in your last energy and you throw yourself and you see these guys all cut up with gravel and everything and tape out their mouth, but they're all smiling, no teeth, because they got the crown, right? That's a good place to relax. When you cross the finish line, not before you get to the finish line, When you get ready to quit, take into account all that Jesus endured, yet finish the race. Peter is very candid about the sufferings in the Christian life and what our attitude should be. In the same epistle, 1 Peter 3.17, he says, For it is better, underline that, it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than doing evil. Think of Job. God willed it. God allowed it. God enabled him. 1 Peter 4.19, Therefore let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as a faithful creator. What in life would cause you to turn your back on Christ or charge him foolishly? What do you think he would not be sufficient for? Mark it. And be careful. Jesus himself gave the sobering words regarding suffering in the Christian life. John 16, 33, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In fact, Paul the Apostle, as you know, in the first missionary out, uh, outreach, at the end of that in Acts 14, 21 and 22, he says, By the way, we must enter the kingdom of God through many tribulations. Oh, thanks, Paul. Candid. Gospel. Today, gospel is not given often. It's whipped cream. It's pie in the sky. It's an easy solution to your messed up life. Be careful of that. The author to the Hebrews says in verse 4, chapter 12 here, you have not yet resisted the blood, striving against sin. Let me close with this. Jesus was speaking about the servant and the master. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 10, this is how he concludes. Now listen to it well. He says, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. I love it. Because he's the master. I'm the servant. The believer is to make a proper assessment to not lose heart in the race. Here you have how to run the race to win, resulting in hope. The believer is to make a proper preparation for the race. The believer is to mark the proper focal point to finish the race. And the believer is to make a proper assessment of his suffering in the race. 
and you'll have hope. You'll have stamina. You'll have victory. You'll have joy. Pastor Xavier Reese with the finish line in sight, more simple truths he draws from the book of Hebrews. And as always, today's message is available on CD for only $4. And the title to request is Run to Win the Race. And this will also include not only everything we studied the last time we were together as well, but additional material our limited broadcast time won't allow. Once again, the title to ask for is Run to Win the Race, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This helps us check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Where's the best place to build a happy home? Get the blueprint right here next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California, www.calvarychapelpasadena.com.